This is the Pulse of New Hampshire. I am J-Dog, and with me is a true run-assance man. He is an author. He is also a president and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental and the host of Northeast Delta Dental Radio, Tom Raffio. More superlatives, of course, include being an athlete, being a scholar, also being a doting grandfather, a loving husband, and a fantastic father, and a baseball awards presenter, and Eddie Popowski's number one fan. J-Dog, I'm taking you everywhere I go. <laughs> the world has opened up again. I'm out almost every night. I need these type of introductions. But, you know, we co we're combining one now because my, my granddaughter, Havana, ran the Millennium Mile with me on New Year's Day. Ooh, how about that? And only, and not, not Ellen pushing her, not my wife Ellen pushing her, but... Uh, her actually running the whole race and only finished a minute behind me. So, and she just turned four. So I think it's just a matter of time when I'm going to be finishing after her. Um, but I still like running. Um, and for my running friends, uh, congratulations on completing the 2022 Millennium Series. Um, and there'll be uh, the Delta Dental Points Chase Award Ceremonies, you know, coming up. But this show is not about running. You know that J Dog? Not yet. No, no, there'll be an there'll be an addition. I know you've got you've got stuff planned in 2023, Tom. I do. This is actually about NHPR, um, and with me is the new, relatively new president and CEO Jim Schachter. Um, Jim, thank you for joining me. And of course, uh, I feel a little odd in that uh, I'm interviewing you. Um, and you're the president of New Hampshire Public Radio. But... And I'm in a fancy radio studio, and you're in, you're in your very busy office, it looks there like. There you go. But, uh, of course, uh, what we have learned um, during COVID is all the different ways, uh, you know, virtual reality can work quite effectively. So in any event, and that's I, I'm going to ask you a few of those questions as well. But I know, uh, I know you joined um, New Hampshire Public Radio in 2019, so... Um, you actually joined uh, just in time for the egg to hit the fan with COVID. That's but before right. we get into that, tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to NHPR. Sure. I am a, a, a lifelong journalist turned small business person on, on taking this job in 2019. I have uh, was a reporter and editor for over 30 years, starting at a small afternoon newspaper in Jacksonville, Florida, and then as careers, you know, went back in the day um, to to bigger places, the Kansas City Star, the Los Angeles Times, which is my hometown paper, and after ten years there, I got a job at the New York Times as a as a business editor, and stayed at the Times for seventeen years in various positions. Uh, the listeners don't won't fully appreciate this, but for a while, I was in charge of the New York Times fashion magazines. Um, they always laughed when I walked into a meeting uh, in my Lands End garb or whatever. Um, and uh, um, and after 17 years at the Times, I was invited to become the vice president for news at WNYC, the public radio station in, in New York City, which is the, the biggest uh, by audience um, in the country. Was in that role for seven years through all kinds of um, crazy and intense and important news. Um, ran some of the shows that we air on on NHPR, including The Takeaway and On the Media, along with a big local newsroom, and then had, for some reason, this crazy idea that I want to run something. 
at uh, as I as I kind of reached a crescendo of my career and was lucky enough to be to be hired here at NHPR and have been here now about three years. Wow. So I want to um, talk a little bit about your experience with New York Times, the great lady. So 17 years. So uh, how how did you see the newspaper business evolving? Obviously, many, many have met their demise. Others are thriving, but you know, with subscriptions and et cetera, et cetera. So you kind of got in on the tail, uh, tail end of that, but how did you see it evolving and what do you, what do you see the future of uh, newspapers? It's a great question. You know, I, I left my job the day I gave notice at the Los Angeles Times was the day that that newspaper, which at the time had the biggest staff of any newspaper in the country, bigger than the New York Times. It was the day that they had their first layoffs in a, in a, you know, a cascade that, that shrank it down to maybe a quarter of itself before it, it's now grown a little bit back. Um, being at the New York Times gives you a very secure space compared to most of the rest of the newspaper industry as uh, the economy uh, and the newspaper business were collapsing in the late aughts. Uh, the New York Times found ways, I mean, they mortgaged themselves to a Mexican billionaire and did some trimming, but they found ways to like sort of continue to invest in the journalism, in the product that were available to the public. Whereas most newspapers in the country could not when classified advertising went away, um, when you could read the news free on the web and you didn't have to buy a print newspaper, which seemed like a anachronism. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, we've seen here in New Hampshire kind of the, the, the really dreadful effects of uh, the uh, buying up of newspapers by, you know, uh, corporate giants, um, that were very much um, looking to like uh, pull profits out, pile on debt, um, you know, buying these papers almost for the real estate that the that the buildings were on more than they were for the public service. And it's emerged in most communities around the country that the public radio station, uh, like NHPR, that was probably an, a little bit of an afterthought 15 or 20 years ago as a news source, has in many places become the leading news source in, sure. in yeah. communities. Um, newspapers, I think, that have the ones that are figuring out on the national level um, how to um, uh, uh, build relationships with their audiences, uh, how to provide real value for money, are thriving. The New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, you see a little bit of it at the kind of the metro level, but even the biggest, you know, cities Chicago, uh, Seattle, um, even Los Angeles, you know, you might depend on a billionaire owner to just keep plowing money into a thing. So the, the whole industry has had to figure itself out. And you see more and more uh, papers sounding like the public radio station, support our journalism, you know, donate even, donate to a for-profit company. The ones that have reinvented themselves doing well, I mean, we're I think uh, locally, you know, the uh, union leader and the Concord Monitor have been able to sustain. And I know as a corporation, for example, for the union leader, we're one of the several corporations along with Dartmouth Health and a few others that uh, quote unquote sponsor what's working. And then the Concord Monitor um, has a similar type program. So the, um, the, the leader there, Steve Leone, approached me for that, so we got involved. And, and it's, and it's, uh, 
it's a fine line because when let's say the union leader puts out a story you know when we're one of the sponsors of course I, every once in a while someone might say well you know you were i don't know pro oral health because delta dental was one of the sponsors and and as you know there's definitely you know firewalls but i think i think that's kind of the you know the uh you know the reality of uh you know sustaining and thriving you know and and the what what used to be called the newspaper industry well that was an interesting sideline and uh, when i when i was preparing for this and i saw your background i was i said to myself i gotta take license and you know, ask him about that. Absolutely. I also want to give a shout out to your wife, Pam, who's a special educator. Um, I, for years, was on the State Board of Education um, and was chair for several years as well. And I paid particular interest in, um, you know, special education. And um, I congratulate, you know, your wife for, uh, you know, for being in that field, which uh, I'm sure she has a huge passion for it. Huge passion. And she's pretty damn good. I'm um, good. Yeah. And, you know, my, and my wife is a teacher as well. And, um, they definitely, uh, it's the, the, I, to me, you know, it's definitely the most important, you know, profession. So you've been, um, you, you've been the leader. Um, I love, I love the way you described it. You kind of wanted to lead as opposed to being, you know, like in the, uh, you know, in, in the fray and that's great. So was it a little bit of a culture shock coming from New York to, New Hampshire, um, and then I'll describe my experience from coming from Boston to New Hampshire, but yeah. I don't want to influence your answer. So tell us how it I'll was for you. I'll tell you a story, kind of a crazy story. Uh, we were moving here from New Jersey to, uh, at the time, to Manchester. Um, my wife had a car stuffed in with two cats, and I had a car stuffed in, and two cats. And as I drove across the Massachusetts border and was able to tune into NHPR on a Saturday afternoon, I heard a friend of ours, a friend who at the time was taking care of one of our cats back in New Jersey until we got settled in, telling a story on NHPR on the Moth Radio Hour about being at the top of the New York Times building on September 11th. We'd both worked at the Times then. She was the chief elevator engineer, and I was a senior editor in the business uh, news department. So that was a little bit weird as a welcome to New Hampshire. Then I drove up to the furnished apartment near the near the Courier Museum that we had rented sight unseen, uh, walked in, and the first thing I noticed was a picture on the wall of the Twin Towers. So now it's not... Uh, it's eerie. It's not just weird. It's a little eerie. And I think that that helped me like deal with the whole culture shock in one afternoon. Um, I will say this. I was just in New York City where two of my kids live. And um, when I visit New York City now, I am so happy to get back to Concord where we've bought a house. It's beautiful here. It's a whole lot calmer. And, and we're really feeling at home after a relatively short period of time with the you know insanity of COVID in between. Yeah, that's been my experience too. So I, I moved up in from Boston in 1995, and once I got here, I said, "Oh my God!" It was originally going to be like like a a five year gig, and I'd go down back to Massachusetts. Like, why would you ever want to leave here? Because if you want to go to Boston, it's an hour drive, um, and if you want to have the calmness that you reference, here it is. And Jay, I know that's why you like Concord, New Hampshire as well. Born and raised and live. <laughs> and native. This has been a fascinating discussion with uh, 
with Jim. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to uh, more after the break. Absolutely. Jim Schachter, president and CEO of NHPR, New Hampshire Public Radio. NHPR.org is the website. And this is Northeast Delta Dental Radio with Tom Raffio. I am J-Dog. And we will return after these messages on the Pulse of New Hampshire. This is the Pulse of New Hampshire. I am J-Dog, alongside president and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental and host of Northeast Delta Dental, Tom Raffio. And this week's guest is Jim Schachter, president and CEO of New Hampshire Public Radio. And uh, you guys are having a great discussion of uh, the roots of how it all began to where you had this journey from elsewhere to come to New Hampshire. I know you've got a lot more to talk about, and I will let you both take it away. Awesome. And uh, I used to, uh, Jim, for your benefit, I used to be on Laura's show a lot. So <laughs> love the love love the studios and, and the old studios, which were um, not too far, actually, uh, from uh, Vinnie Media and also um, Del- from Delta Dental. But let's yeah. get right to the basics. Like who... Um, this is evolving, of course, as you kind of alluded to. But who yeah. listens to NHPR, um, and and how else do you connect, you know, with people? Sure, sure. Well, if you don't listen to NHPR, your neighbor probably does. Uh, we think we have the biggest radio audience in the state. About 150,000 people tune in every week. We broadcast on 14 frequencies from Colebrook and Berlin down to Nashua and Keene. You can listen at 89.1 FM across most of the state, and you can certainly, as I drive around, find that the easiest thing to do is to use the stream at nhpr.org anytime and anywhere. The website that J-Dog mentioned, nhpr.org, is where as many as 350,000 people a month go for the latest news and our newsrooms in-depth, independent, original reporting about the Granite State. We have tens of thousands of subscribers to our newsletters, One I might mention is The Weekender, which has 10 great recommendations every Thursday for things to do around New Hampshire. You can sign up for that at nhpr.org. You can see newsletters. Um, We even have a weekly New Hampshire news quiz you can sign up for to see if you're paying attention to important developments around the state. We're also one of the leading podcast producers in the whole country. Um, Little NHPR is in the top 2% based on... uh, downloads, the total downloads of our shows. Here's some inside news. We have a new season coming out February 20th of our show Bear Brook, which has just been a phenomenon in the true crime uh, genre, closing in already on 22 million downloads. Um, uh, The case that we're covering in this new season could lead to the first exoneration in New Hampshire history of someone convicted of murder. And you can hear a little teaser for it at Bear Brook Podcast. Dot com. Awesome. So when we say public radio, and of course, this is New Hampshire, so you know this question is coming. Yeah. So does that mean it's taxpayer funded when we say it's public radio? It's not taxpayer funded. There's not a, a penny of state funds except for when a state agency you know, buys sponsorship to promote something on the station. We have a tiny little sliver of our revenue that comes from the Corporation for Public, public Broadcasting, about 4%, and we send more than double that right back to Washington to pay for our membership in NPR, because you understand we're the source for NPR news in, in New Hampshire. They cover the national and international news the, with the same professionalism and fairness we do here. But nearly all of our budget comes from people right here in New Hampshire, our 24,000 members, our major donors, the 500 businesses that sponsor NHPR every year, and you know local foundations as well. Awesome. So 
as mentioned, so you're starting in 2019 in the fall, and then March, so a couple months later, March of 2020, the egg hits the fan with COVID. So, um, in, in, you know, in our case, you know, dental office closed, so we had to pivot. Uh, we, we gave grant money to our dentists to keep them open. We gave premium relief and we had actually planned for a pandemic and we were in a good position to pivot. But how did, uh, how did the pandemic uh, impact um, on New Hampshire Public Radio? Well, you know, it affected us like it affected you and everybody who's listening. Our lives got turned upside down. My colleagues lost family members and friends. Uh, that service we provide, though, which is, you know, trustworthy journalism about the Granite State proved absolutely more necessary than maybe ever before our audience surged. Um, we seized on the opportunity to serve people in new ways. Um, one thing I, I, you know, continue to marvel at that we were able to do this. We launched the state's first Spanish language news service ever in the spring of 2020 when there was we realized there was no information about the pandemic in New Hampshire from anyone, including the state of New Hampshire, in the language spoken by tens of thousands of our of our neighbors. And we continue to do that today. We call it KI de Nuevo, New Hampshire, which means what's new, New Hampshire, what's up, New Hampshire. People can sign up to get the news in Spanish, audio, text, delivered to their phones on WhatsApp, um, or they can read the noticias section on our, on our, our website. Um, so, you know, I, it was a call to action. And I think every, every company, every nonprofit, every family in the state saw it as that way. And, you know, we had maybe the advantage that we've always had a virtual relationship with people. We come in through your, through your radio or we come in through your computer and we were there for people. Yeah, Scott Galloway said, I mean, the pandemic probably expedited a lot of things, you know, that were going to happen. And your case in our case, we were, we were in a good position, you know, to pivot. Now, fast forward a couple of years, although COVID seems never ending, but 2022 was quite a year at NHPR. You had yeah. some awards, some big stories. Can you kind of summarize um, the big highlights for you for yeah. 2022? There were some very big stories. Our, our newsroom did some important stories about the big fight over the school budget in Croydon, which is really emblematic of very different philosophies about government's role playing out here in New Hampshire and across the country. And that, that turned into front page news. Everywhere. I love that because that was, you know, we, when I was at the state board, we dealt with different Croydon type issues. And interestingly enough, kind of the process worked out because they That's got right. the fund. And okay. I was so, so proud that our journalists, we let, we had a reporter spend really three or four months on the ground there. And Sarah Gibson, our education reporter, spent so much time with all sides of that that everybody trusted her. And so she could tell the story in the most full-bodied way. She ended up uh, producing a 40-minute story for This American Life, which is one of the biggest uh, shows on public radio, one of the biggest podcasts in the country, based on the story of Croyd. So that was a big one for us. Uh, we did a lot of reporting about the Lori list, uh, about you know police in New Hampshire who've engaged in questionable conduct. If I were going to call just one story to your listeners' attention, just because the topic touches on so many people's lives in New Hampshire, it's an investigative project that our reporter Lauren Chuljan published last spring about the addiction recovery industry in the state. Specifically, it was a story revealing a pattern of alleged sexual misconduct by the former owner of Granite Recovery Centers, the biggest treat treatment network in the state. 
unfortunately, that same reporter, along with members of her family and our news director, too, became the targets of acts of vandalism and attempted intimidation, you know, bricks thrown through the windows of their houses, awful things spray painted across their front doors and garage doors. Those are incidents that remain under investigation by the FBI and state and local authorities. Uh, you know, we got an award. Um, um, we got an award for it. Um, uh, it's not an award you want to win, but the award was for uh, continuing to persevere in doing journalism in, in the public interest amid those kind of threats. It was a it was a busy year and a pretty hard year around here. Well, I can I salute you and uh, and your team. We've got a couple of minutes, just a couple yeah. minutes less. We'll hit hit a couple of topics. Uh, one one a fun topic. Um, have you segued from being a, um, a New York fan to a, a Boston or New, or New England sports fan? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, look, I grew up 15 minutes from Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, and my dad raised me to be a San Francisco Giants fan uh, because he had been a New York Giants fan in, in New York City. I watched Jerry, uh, Jerry West lose to the Celtics year after year after year in the NBA Finals. When my son Ben was three, his birthday cake said, happy birthday, Derek, because he wanted to pretend he was Derek Jeter. So my answer to your question is, Go Fisher Cats, go Wildcats, go Owls, go Ravens. I love it. You should be thinking of running for political office. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's something I've, I've been very interested in, in asking you about is, uh, so you described your newsroom, very comprehensive, very professional, robust reporters. Is it tough to compete You know, with the commercial media? It sounds like um what you have going for you is kind of the you know the trust um factor um not that commercial news doesn't but is it is it tough to compete with uh, commercial entities no i think i don't think it the, the distinction is commercial versus nonprofit. i think it's about investment in in serious news coverage um i would stack our accountability reporting you know the the, the original reporting that takes on tough issues, holds powerful people and institutions to account. I think we're, we're really probably the indisputable leader in the state in that. Uh, there are you know places we can't get to, but we're part of a collaborative with the newspapers that uh, allows us to be places where they can't be and them to be places where we can't. So we work together to be, because I think we all know collectively that the real problem in New Hampshire is the lack of original reporting. We just don't know what we don't know because right. there are so many fewer reporters than there used to be. Yeah. So we we got to find a way to, to address that. We need more reporters. When I first moved here in 95, there'd be reporters at the state house and, you know, we don't see them. So uh, I'll need 30 second answers on this. Uh, okay. I'll have to have you back. Um, so we're all podcasters. So you have had some award winning ones, right? We got, I mentioned Bear Brook. We produce shows that come out almost every week, uh, Civics 101 about our democracy and how it's supposed to work, the outside in about the places where your curiosity and the natural world collide, document, that's where we do our in-depth uh, investigative stories about New Hampshire with national significance. Got it. So I'll have to have you on again because I do want to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. You talked about you know the, the, the Spanish audience. 
um, but there's, there's obviously a lot more to it. We've had uh, James McKinn on our show. We, have, yeah. uh, we do a lot here on oral health disparities, but it, it, it requires another show. So we'll have you back. Jay, wasn't this hugely interesting? I mean, that it was. Yes, um, absolutely. How you blessed know. is New Hampshire and NHPR uh, to have Jim as its leader? So, Jim, thank you for joining me. Thank you. We're blessed to have everybody's support, and I so appreciate your your having me on today. Beautiful. That is Jim Schachter, President and CEO of uh, New Hampshire Public Radio, NHPR.org. I am J-Dog, and for Tom Raffio, this is Northeast Delta Dental Radio, and we'll have another edition next time on the Pulse of New Hampshire.